UAB MedCast is an ongoing medical education podcast. The UAB Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please visit uabmedicine.org medcast and complete the episode's post-test. Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals, bringing knowledge to your world. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Today we're talking about brow lifts and blepharoplasty, and my guest is Dr. Brad Denny. He's an assistant professor and a double board certified plastic surgeon at UAB Medicine. Dr. Denny, such a pleasure to have you with us today. Tell us what is a blepharoplasty or a brow lift. So a blepharoplasty is where it can be done for the upper eyelid or the lower eyelid, but more commonly for the upper eyelid. And that can happen because as we age, we lose collagen and elastin in our skin, and so therefore our skin sags, if you will. And that can occur all over the body, but it can particularly occur around the eyes and in the brow. So if that happens in the eyes, and if you develop really baggy skin in the eyes, uh, in the upper eyelid, that skin can actually hang down and can block the peripheral vision. And we can fix that in a procedure called a blepharoplasty. And that's where we excise that um, heavy, redundant upper eyelid skin. And sometimes the brow uh, is also heavy uh, and, and sags, and that can also affect vision. And that's where a brow lift comes into play. And whether we do a brow lift or an upper eyelid blepharoplasty at once or separate, kind of depends on the patient. But they're more commonly done for the reason of that excess heavy skin affecting vision. Um, But even if they're not caused for a, a functional problem, they're also done for cosmetic reasons as well. So then how do you decide which procedure you're going to use? Explain some of the key variables that determine whether you're going to use a blepharoplasty or a brow lift or even both to get the best results for a patient. These procedures can potentially be covered by insurance. And the way they are covered by insurance is we have to send documentation to the insurance companies that the skin of the brow or the upper eyelid is significant enough. In terms of the upper eyelid, that skin has to encroach upon the top aspect of the upper eyelid itself. And in terms of the brow, the skin of the brow has to descend below the superorbital rim. That's that bone that you feel that's directly above your orbit. And in addition to the photographs, we also have to have visual field testing from an ophthalmologist that documents decreased visual fields and improvement in the visual fields when the skin of the brow and upper eyelids is lifted. In terms of whether a blepharoplasty and or a brow lift is performed uh, is based upon a blepharoplasty is done if that upper eyelid skin encroaches upon the um, upper eyelid itself and the brow lift is done if that um, the brow skin descends below the superorbital rim, just as I mentioned with the test that and, and the documentation that's required from the insurance companies. Um, if I do tell patients if they don't want the brow lift, there is a chance that only doing a blepharoplasty alone could actually make the aesthetics of the brow worsen because if you take away that heavy upper eyelid skin, 
then the brow no longer has to work hard to arch, if you will, and to suspend the upper eyelids. And so therefore, the brow could descend more. In terms of the other reason to have one or both or one or the other done is for aesthetics. If they're not, if patients aren't experiencing functional deficits with their vision, if they're unhappy with how their upper eyelids or how their brow looks, it can be done for cosmetic reasons. Is this a quick fix or is it a long-term solution? A quick fix would be Botox. That's where we inject a solution that, that denervates the uh, muscles in the forehead and around the eyelids. That will alleviate the, the deep creases in the forehead, and that is a temporary fix. But surgically, yes, a brow lift and a blepharoplasty are uh, permanent solutions. That's the advantage of surgery. Well, it certainly is. So then speak about patient selection criteria. Is there anyone for whom this is really not an option? Give us some clinical indications and contraindications for the institution of either one of these procedures. Indications would be one, for aesthetics, two, to improve peripheral field vision. Now, there are some contraindications. If patients have a history of dry eyes, then they would need clearance from their ophthalmologist before embarking on this surgery because both these surgeries do elevate the upper eyelids, therefore exposing the cornea. Uh, And with a history of dry eyes, these can make dry eyes worse. If patients have had um, the LASIK procedure, they need to wait at least six months to a year before embarking on a upper eyelid blepharoplasty uh, or brow lift. Uh, patients need to be physically fit, cardiovascularly, and they, they cannot be on any blood thinners. Bleeding after these operations, particularly an upper eyelid blepharoplasty, in rare cases the bleeding is significant enough could lead to blindness if, if hematomas or postoperative bleeding are not caught or discovered early enough. Well, thank you for that, because I was going to ask you about some complications to keep a watch on. So are there some technical considerations, Dr. Denny, that you'd like other providers to know about? What's involved in the procedure? An upper eyelid brephaloplasty is pretty simple. It's just excision of that excess skin. We used to excise a lot of fat a few years ago as well but we've tended to be more conservative with our fat resection because we found that the more fat we we resect in the upper eyelid, um, the more we actually age the patient in terms of appearance. So we tend to leave more fat than we used to. Another consideration is if the upper eyelid skin is one thing, but if the upper eyelid itself descends below the pupil, then they may need to have a levator advancement or levator plication. The levator is the muscle that uh, usually with aging uh, has atrophied and therefore the eyelid may descend below the pupil. That's a much more complicated procedure that would be done in conjunction with excision of the excess upper eyelid skin. In terms of a brow lift, a traditional brow lift is done through a coronal approach, meaning that a long incision will be made in the uh, the hairline approximately five centimeters posterior to the anterior hairline itself. There were problems with that, meaning there was uh, patients would experience alopecia as well as paresthesias and sometimes loss of sensation of the scalp. So now we've advanced to where we're now doing most of our brow lifts endoscopically in which three small incisions are placed in the anterior hairline. 
And, of course, given that this is UAB, I have to give a shout-out to my mentor, Dr. Vasquez, who helped develop the endoscopic prow lift. Tell us a little bit about your outcomes, Dr. Denny, and what can a patient or a referring physician expect postoperatively? Outcomes are excellent. Upper eyelid uh, incisions heal extremely well, as do uh, brow lift incisions. I think the most common complication or potential issue postoperatively would be asymmetry between each of the eyelids and the brows themselves. But as a whole, most patients are extremely satisfied. In terms of referral, uh, referring doctors could um, get in touch with the Kirkland Clinic at uh, UAB for, for referrals. As we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts, what you would like other providers to take away from this episode when they are referring as far as communication with the referring physician and what you want to tell us about your team? If patients complain to their providers that they feel their brows or their eyelids are heavy and they think it's affecting their vision, then that's a patient who would benefit from seeing a surgical provider who's who specializes in upper eyelid blepharoplasty or brow lift, and that patient may need visual field testing as those symptoms could be alleviated with these these surgeries. Uh, We have an excellent team at the Kirkland Clinic, and uh, we work well with our ophthalmology partners for coordination of visual field testing. Thank you so much, Dr. Denny, for joining us today and sharing your incredible expertise. A community physician can refer a patient to UAB Medicine by calling the MIST line at 1-800-UAB-MIST. And that wraps up this episode of UAB MedCast. For more information on resources available at UAB Medicine, head on over to our website at uabmedicine.org physician. If you as a provider found this podcast informative, please share with your patients, share with other providers, and be sure not to miss all the other fascinating podcasts in the UAB library. Until next time, this is Melanie Cole.